Welcome back to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Charger basketball. This is Matt Gall here sitting in my living room on Zoom with head coach of the Briarcliff basketball program, Mark Sfigera. And uh, Mark, last podcast before Christmas, uh, you got gifts bought and wrapped and you ready to go for the 25th? Uh, no, I, I thrive under pressure, Matt. I have a couple things taken care of, but I generally wait till about the 23rd. You know, I'm kind of a Festivus shopper, so I wait till Festivus on the 23rd and uh, get everything done. It puts the pressure on, and you know, you can't get it by if you can't get it that day, someone's not going to get it. So that's my philosophy on Christmas shopping. Do you find that the crowds are down a little bit, or do you find that that day everyone's kind of doing the same thing? You have to. It's it's, it's a generally bit. a madhouse. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I deal with it. I make it work. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before uh, before you guys get off the hook here with your Christmas break, uh, we've got a game to talk about this upcoming week, kind of a last little stocking stuffer, if you will, uh, before going to holiday break. But before we talk about Dakota State, which is the game that you'll play on Monday, uh, we had two games last week, a couple of road trips, one up to Jamestown and one over to uh, on Saturday. So let's talk about Jamestown first. Uh, game that was uh, really close, really competitive in the first half, and then things kind of went cold for us in the second half. Really ratcheted down defensively, and we had a hard time getting the the uh, ball in the basket. Um, and they went on to win that game, seventy four to fifty seven. And what stood out to me as I watched that game that Mason Walters is is an absolute beast, and uh, he's going to be very disruptive in this league. I think he had thirty two or thirty three points, maybe missed or two shots the whole game just just an incredible game out of that guy yeah he he's really really good um he's a load to deal with uh defensively and you know it's not just us I think he turned around in their next game and had 38 or 39 points too he's just he's really really good um you know and I I thought we played a great first half up at Jamestown I thought we were really dialed into the game plan um I thought we executed and I you know Definitely helped that we did. We were able to get Walters into foul trouble. So he sat for a good long stretch in the first half and went into halftime with a one-point lead and, you know, had a couple little adjustments we thought we could make to, to help ourselves out a little bit. And I think we actually took a five-point lead there early in the second half. And then, whatever reason, things uh, things went south for us. And, and obviously, we had a hard time getting stops. And they really hurt us um, throwing the ball to Walters inside. Um, and I thought in the first half, we did a pretty good job of forcing some turnovers and making things hard for them on the perimeter, which makes it harder to throw the ball into the post. And I thought we got away from that a little bit in the second half. And offensively, I, I thought we really got away from the game plan of what was working. I thought we forced some shots. We had some some bad turnovers for sure. And, uh, you know, things just kind of snowballed on us. And that's unfortunately, it's easy for that to happen on the road. And unfortunately, it's happened a couple times to us this year, and that's something we just we've got to get figured out. And it's it's still obviously a work in progress, but um, you know you have to you know give Jamestown some credit too. I thought they did a good job of guarding us in the second half. They made things difficult for us, um, and every every time we did make a little bit of a push, you know it was like they came right back with a four oh five oh run, and um, you know that's a good team and a tough place to play and. We just we didn't we didn't bring it for 40 minutes and that's going to get you, especially on the road in the GPAC. That is that's just going to get you. Well, you righted the ship a little bit uh, Saturday at Doan. 
uh, where you guys went to halftime with a 44 to 20 lead, I believe, and then uh, won that game 81 to 65. Another really good all-around game by Quentin Voss. I think he had 21, 7, and 6. Klein Hess had 10, 7. I think Groves and Hoyt were each double digits. So uh, another good team went down to get things corrected. So that's that's been nice to see out of your guys is even after, a, you know, a loss like that, you guys have been able to turn around and get things corrected without uh, letting it be a trend. Yeah, I, I think we have a resilient group of guys. I think we have a tough group of kids. Um, and I think they, you know, games we've lost, I mean, for the most part have been execution issues and things like that. It's not a lack of effort. It's not a, a lack of competing. It's just, uh, we have to, we have to continue to understand that execution for 40 minutes is, is key for us. And that's been our Achilles heel in the games we've lost and the games we've, we've really done a good job of that. We've had a lot of success and. You know, you look at the first half, I thought we played, you know, maybe the best half of basketball we've played, and there wasn't anything spectacular that happened. You know, Doan's an interesting team to play against because they play multiple different defenses. And sometimes I think it's easy to get caught up in, you know, trying to decipher exactly what they're in, what they're trying to do instead of just playing. And so that's that's what we really tried to do. We didn't run a whole lot of plays or stuff we normally would run. We just kind of played and, and let it work itself out. And in the first half, I thought we shared the ball really well, um, found a lot of open looks. And I, I think defensively, we just were really, really solid. You know, we definitely forced some turnovers. We rebounded the ball well. We forced some tough shots. And, you know, when you, when you build a lead like that, um, I think sometimes it's easy to just try to coast through the second half and, as much as the score says we lost the second half, I, I thought we did a pretty good job. You know, I thought our first five came out with a, with a good sense of urgency to, you know, you don't want the team that's down in that situation to, to make an early run and feel like they have a chance or feel like they have hope in the game. And I thought our guys did a really good job of just eliminating that. And, uh, you know, we were able to play more guys than we normally work. So we had that lead in the second half and, you know, all in all, when you can go on the road and, and get a double-digit win, it's it's always going to be a good day and makes that drive home a, a lot better. All right. Well, then, like I said uh, at the top of the podcast, you guys have one last game here before we get into the holiday break, and that is up at Dakota State. That's one of those schools that we play every year. It almost feels like a conference game to a point because we've gotten to know the program uh, so well just like a lot of other programs here in the region. So Dakota State's interesting. You know, that's a, a program that was disrupted a little bit by COVID early in the year. Uh, this game was a casualty to that. So this game was originally scheduled for earlier in the year, got moved to this week. Uh, I believe originally you were supposed to have this week completely off. Is that correct? Yeah, we were. And, you know, it's, uh, I know they, they've had some, some hardships from COVID in their program. Um, and I know our guest will, be able to talk about that more than I can but uh you know it's, it's just one of those things where this was a game we wanted to play it's a it's a game like you said Matt we play every year and from a proximity standpoint it makes a lot of sense for us to play Dakota State every year and, and my philosophy from the get-go has been we're going to play anywhere anytime whatever we have to do um, if we're able to play we're going to play and so you know the week of Christmas is, is probably not the most ideal, but you know what? We get to go play a college basketball game. And I keep saying that there's a lot of schools that would trade places with us. And so 
it just happened to work out pretty well for both of us, honestly, um, to make it work here because I don't think either one of us was excited to, to push this game back any further, you know, into second semester when everybody's full on into, into conference play. And, you know, when we rescheduled this six weeks ago, you know, neither one of us knew, you know, if there's conference reschedules that have to happen, that's always going to take precedent over non-conference. So getting it done and, and being able to play this game is, is a great thing for us. Well, like you alluded to, uh, our guest is a representative of the Dakota State program. We'll, we'll bring him in here in just a second. But, um, you know, this is going to be a little unusual. It's a Monday night game. Coach, what time will that game be? Now we're tipping off at 7 o'clock up there okay. in Madison. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, it, I know it's been a couple of weeks since they've played. Um, you know, we've actually been in that situation not quite two full weeks, but it's uh, it's an interesting time when you, you play some games and then you have 10, 12, 14 days off and it's just practice and practice and practice. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at Dakota State, I, I believe their record's two and three and, you know, have a nice home win over Bellevue that opened up their conference, have a couple tough, tough losses to GPAC teams. But, uh, you know, they're a, they're big. I mean, everybody's big compared to us, as we know, but uh, they're big. They they run the triangle offense. They're they're hard to guard. Um, they're definitely going to try to play a, a slower, lower possession game than what we will. So in, in some ways, it's a contrast of styles. Um, but I think those games are fun, too. You know, it uh, just playing someone a little different. And, uh, you know, it's a game where you know, we're going to have to go up there ready to go and, and dialed into a game plan and, and ready to execute on both ends um, to a to a team that, you know, against a team that's just a little bit different than us. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of basketball sometimes. Well, let's, uh, without any further ado, why don't we get our guest involved here? Uh, like I said, a representative that uh, will be able to talk a little bit about Dakota State. So uh, Trevor Flemmer's joining us. He's a former grad assistant for Coach Mark Figuera here at Briarcliff uh, in the 2017-2018 season. A good year. Uh, that was a, an Elite Eight year. Uh, we were talking before we started recording, it was a, a stacked roster. I mean, a really fun season. Uh, and then Trevor went on to uh, take on the role of assistant coach at Dakota State. So Trevor, uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Trevor's uh, one of the top four grad assistants I've had as a head coach at Briarcliff. <laughs> you know, Trevor, and, and and on top of that, he was the first one, and the bar was set so low. Oh, that, please! Uh, <laughs> no, I just a uh, little background. You know, when I became head coach, my my first order of business was to hire an assistant, and that was Jake Shipley at the time. And then, uh, you know, needed to hire a grad assistant and. You know, that's generally a two-year appointment, basically. And I'm now on my fourth grad assistant in four years. And, you know, a part of that is, you know, I, I hope it's we're doing some things good and we're doing some some of the right things in our program because Trevor, you know, after a year, went on to get a, a full-time assistant job, which is a, a huge step when you're talking about the coaching profession. And then, you know, the guy after him, Chris Davis, did the same thing. The guy after him, Eric Erdman, we've talked about. Um, you know, went a different direction in, in his career. And now, you know, Coach Martin is doing a great job for us, too. But uh, all jokes aside, you know, Coach Flemmer did a great job for us. And obviously, um, you know, now it was third year at Dakota State. That is correct. Yep. All jokes aside, 
you know, and he was giving me crap before we started recording. He said he didn't listen anymore because he never got any kind of shout outs. He, uh, he hasn't been on before and, you know, stuff happens, Flynn. And there's, there's a lot of people that have asked to be on that haven't been on yet. So I feel, I think you should actually be honored that uh, you're making your debut today. Well, I, I, I will say this, uh, being your first GA and also um, arguably your best, um, and I know some of those guys out there that listen to this will probably have to get a call from, but um, being three years almost to get a, to get even a shout out or being a guest is, uh, I think, a little overdue. Oh, like I said, I mean, you're the one that left our program, Flem. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I was harboring a little resentment for the past couple of years and, and I'm finally getting over that now. I'm going to jump in here because not only did he leave the program, but coach your first year. So that was your first year as a head coach started that season, like 11 and one great start, mm -hmm. but that one that, that <laughs> blemish on the record, I'm sure you remember who was that too. Yeah. It was that at the field house at Dakota state. That's uh, I'll, I'll never forget that one. It was the yeah, I, first I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't very happy. I was with you on that sideline as well. Yeah, it was it was not a it was not a pleasant evening in Madison for us that night. Well, Trevor, let's uh let's talk about uh, the game tomorrow night because, like we were talking about before we brought, have kind of had to uh, learn how to adjust schedule wise with having to move some games around in the schedule, and then I don't think you've played since December six something like that. Yeah. So this will be the first time uh, back in you know in the gym in a while. How what kind of a wrinkle has that thrown into? know how you approach organization and scheduling and what you do routine wise to keep guys kind of in game speed, but also allow them to stay healthy. You know, what have you had to do to adjust to that weird schedule? Well, like you said, Matt, we've, uh, we've, we've been quarantined personally ourselves twice. Um, and we were actually supposed to play last Saturday as well um, at Northwestern up in St. Paul. And, and that got postponed uh, the day before. Uh, the athletic director came in and, and talked to us during practice. So um, it's definitely um, something that we've had to deal a lot with, but you know, you got to keep telling the guys that we're not the only ones. Um, and, you know, we've, we've made adjustments versus, you know, um, having kind of more of a scrimmage day on days that we were supposed to have games and um, taking days off just to kind of keep them fresh and, and, um, the biggest thing I, I tell them is that, you know, the teams that adapt the best this season with being the whole COVID stuff are going to be the most successful. Um, and, and I think we've done that pretty well so far. Um, and, and like I said, it's, that's, it's not just us, it's, it's everyone. Um, but I feel like we've kind of got a short end of the stick there. So we gotta, we gotta keep adapting and, and keep playing. Cause like coach, coach Figueres says, um, we're lucky that we're playing and, and that's, that's really the, the end of it at all. So. So back to uh, the 2017, 2018 season here, I was looking at the roster from that year and we had Eric Erdman, Jay Wolf, Jackson Lamb, Ethan Friedel, Blake Wilchin had a good year that year uh, being the low guy. Um, how fun was it to coach that group of guys, Trevor? Oh, it was a blast. Um, I'll, I'll say this. It, I, I still keep in contact with a lot of those guys. Um, from that year, um, obviously my first grad assistant job, you know, I was at Riverland before that um, for one year, but um, I still keep a close relationship. And obviously when you, when you have successful seasons, um, you, you grow a little bit uh, stronger relationship. 
And so I still keep in touch with those guys and it was a blast and they were all good and they welcomed me here. And, and when I left, they were, they were happy for me. They weren't mad and things like that. So it was a great group of guys to coach and, and, and made coaching easy, to be honest with you. Yeah. You read those names off, Matt. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a loaded roster right there. That was a, that was a good team. And, you know, thinking back, legitimately probably a possession or two away from the final four. And, and honestly, uh, probably two, three possessions away from winning a GPAC title. I mean, we were right there with the last game of the year. Um, and those, those are two games I, I've tried not to think about a whole lot over the last three years. But, uh, you know, it was. It was a fun year. It was a fun team. It was, uh, for me, as a first-time head coach, it made it pretty easy, to be honest with you. Um, so, but yeah, that was a, that was a good, good group of guys to coach. Trevor, you know, now having been, uh, working with a couple of head coaches now with pretty different styles, pretty different, uh, philosophies when it comes to skiing and those sorts of things as an assistant, how do you, I mean, how difficult or easy is it to have to discuss maybe some of your own personal philosophies to fit in with what? Is, is trying to implement in a program well um first off it's i think it's really great for me personally to to be in part of you know three different programs that really run three different type of schemes um and learn underneath all three of those um and, and you know it is tough sometimes to bite my tongue um kind of how i feel but um, I know all three of those guys were in my position at one point and had to do the same thing. And my job as an assistant is to, to back the head coach's philosophy, no matter what I feel. Um, and then I'm, I'm in their back pocket at all times. So um, it, it, it's tough sometimes an assistant, but like I said, it's, it's part of the job. And um, like I said, I think it's personally really what great for me, um, just the growth in, in the coaching world to, to be part of three um, completely different type of schemes offensively and defensively. So, you know, what's funny about that, Trevor, is I, I just thought of something as you were talking about biting your tongue. And maybe you remember this, maybe you don't. It had to be September of the year you were here with us. So we were just getting ready to start practice, or maybe we had started practice and we were talking about stuff. And I, I made a pretty aggressive comment about how we'll never, ever do a rebounding drill because <laughs> I think they're stupid. And you just kind of sat there for like 30 seconds and I knew you wanted to say something. Finally, you just said, coach, can I ask why? I don't know why that stuck with me, but you know, it's just, I'm pretty sure I probably stuck with that too. I don't think we've ever done a rebounding drill. Before you definitely didn't, you definitely didn't on my watch. I can tell you that, um, you know, that's, uh, that's coming back from Riverland and, and presentation college where I played. And, you know, we, we did a lot of that and that's, you know, and then as an assistant, you know, your job is to, to, to ask why sometimes, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I think I, I know I take a lot of pride in some of the one-liners I throw out there, oh, but am I even any competition for Gary Garner in the one-liner business? I honestly, no, you're not, unfortunately. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that he says. I'll be honest with you. I have a word document on my computer that anytime he says something that is a one-liner, I put it on my computer. So um, there is a, uh, 
a clean version and an explicit version of Word document. But Good. I, uh, I think I'm going to need to see the explicit version sometime, Flynn. <laughs> I can probably uh, we can probably work something out. Good. Good. So, you know, speaking of coach, you know, you went from, you know, you worked for uh, for Derek Hahn at Riverland, who was a younger guy, um, was early in his career when you worked with him, was a teammate of yours, right? If I'm not mistaken, at PC. Yep. He was a senior when I was a freshman. OK, so then then you came to Briarcliff. I was in my first year as a head coach. And then going to Dakota State, you kind of went to the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, Coach Garner, he's been around for a while. He's had a ton of success as a coach. You know, I know he's won a couple national titles as a head coach, um, and he's been all over the place. You know, what, what's that like? You know, you go from a guy who's kind of learning on the fly in me to a guy who, you know, probably has forgotten more about it than I know right now. So, well, I will, I'll say this. Um, you would think, you know, the, the younger guy would be a little less hard-headed and, and the older guy would be a little more hard-headed, but uh, you guys are pretty equal. Won't lie to you. So um, <laughs> it was it was a big opportunity, to be honest with you. I, w- I wanted to learn under Coach Garner, and, and he's, you know, like you said, been around the block a few times. So um, he's got his way, and he's done it for long enough, and it's been successful, um, and that's the way we're going to kind of do it. Um, and, and he deserves that for the success he's had, plus, you know, how, how long he's been in the coaching industry. So um, it is definitely quite different. I will tell you this. Um, we watch film on DVDs. So we, we're still on the DVD thing and not the uh, on the computers. So um, that is one big change that that uh, I had to adapt to there. So at least they're not on awesome. VHS or anything like that. Yeah, we, we've upgraded from VHS. at least. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Were there any games at Briarcliff? I mean, let's take the Elite Eight run out of it, um, just because, you know, obviously those are going to hold a special place. But um, were there any games when you were at BC that stuck out to you or that stand out to you as memorable for one reason or another? You don't want to know the one that uh, I mem- sticks out to me the most um, is when Coach Figuera sent me on a JV trip for my first Morningside versus Briarcliff game at home that I did not get to come to, and they won. And so um, I haven't really stopped telling Sfigare that's kind of a load of crap that uh, he had to send me there. So, you know what? It was unfortunate timing. We were doing a favor for somebody else um, and they made it worth our while is all I can say to that. And so, yeah, the timing was unfortunate. And that was actually a really fun game in front of a packed house that that Flemmer missed. But uh you know, that's sometimes that's the, the luck of the draw being a GA and the, the head JV coach. You uh, you, you get the, the short end of the stick there. It, it was unfortunate because I've never experienced a Morningside Briarcliff at the Newman Flanagan. You know, and, and in hindsight, I probably should have not let you go to the second time we played them that year because we, we beat them without you and lost to them with you. So, I mean, is there a correlation there? You know what? I, I would have done the same thing then. <laughs> I want to. I want to back up to the to the liner list. Is there anything off of the clean one liner list that you could share with our audience here from Coach? Let me think here. So if if I say something or anyone says something and he he, he doesn't think it's a smart comment, he'll uh, he'll say that's dumber than a peach orchard boar. <laughs> and for those that don't know what a peach orchard boar is, um, Coach Garner was on a farm when he was a child, and his dad would say it all the time because these, these boars would go into this peach orchard and the, the 
um, peaches would fall from the tree and they'd rot. Well, these boars would eat them and they'd get sick and you'd take them to the vet. And then a week later, they'd be right back in the peach orchard eating the rotten uh, peaches. So um, that's, that's the whole story on that one. Does he ever have to explain it to the group? Does he get a bunch of weird blank stares and they don't know if it's a compliment or an insult or what he just- 100% that he's explained <laughs> that multiple times to guys. He'll, he'll say that one liner and he'll be like, you know what a peach orchard boar is? I'm going to have to keep that one in the back pocket. That's a good one. <laughs> There's one of many. I'll tell you that. So you talked about uh, keeping in touch with guys, um, you know, that you've coached at other schools here, Briarcliff included, but, uh, coaches that you've coached with I mean do you keep a pretty good network of of coaches that you've coached with and under do you ever shoot a text asking for what they think about something or you know bounce ideas I know it's a little difficult you know especially if you're in conference or something like that to do some of those things but do you find that you still you know reach out to former head coach other coaches that you've coached with just as mentors or to bounce ideas off of yes Gary, what do you think we should do against you on Monday <laughs> um I would sit everybody in the paint and let us shoot threes. Okay. I'll I'll put that in the back pocket for sure. Um uh, yeah, no, definitely. We um you know, I reach out to coaches, um, you know, especially even my my head coach in college that I that I played for. Um, you know, he's he's been a big advocate of of me, to be honest with you. He's kind of gotten me or helped me get the uh, the jobs that I have gotten. Um and so he obviously wants to see me succeed and, 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 you know, I want to see him succeed as well, continuing in his career. But, um, we, uh, we keep in touch, you know, I'll text Mark once in a while. He'll, he'll give me a lot of, uh, more of, um, sarcastic answers, a lot more than answers that I'm actually looking for. But, uh, um, and, and Han, I, I talked to all those guys that I've coached under for sure. Um, and then some others that I've, I've met throughout my, um, coaching career. Um, just keep in contact with as well. So some of those GAs that were grad assistants in the GPAC when I was a grad assistant, like Reggie Kindle who's now at uh, Peru um, and things like that. So um, we definitely, I definitely have a, a network, you know, and, and that's one thing I think in coaching, you got to continue to grow. So, um, so yeah, definitely keep in touch. This is way off topic, Flemmer. I know you, uh, you have a deep love of Mexican food. That's Do you have any options in Madison, South Dakota? I know it's Luck. not the it's not the cosmopolitan, <laughs> cosmopolitan place that Sioux City is. It it is not Sioux City. I will I will say that the, the options are limited there. But we do have a spot that is pretty dang good. I was actually pretty surprised uh, my first time I ate there. And honestly, I don't eat out a lot, but that's probably the only place I really go in Madison to eat out a lot of. So, so. I mean, I know you don't listen because of some kind of weird spider perceived slight against you to the podcast, but we talk about food a lot. And, you know, I hate to give you credit for a whole lot, but you did impress me when we went to the final four in San Antonio, the year you were on our staff. And uh, I told you and Shipley to, to find a good restaurant to go to the first night we were there. And I would take you guys to dinner. And you and I both know Shipley was less than zero help in that. And you came up with a great Mexican restaurant. So I've always, I've always kind of held you just a tad higher up the totem pole because of that alone. It has nothing to do with your coaching uh, whatsoever. <laughs> had nothing to do with what you brought to our program. It's just that uh, you picked a really good Mexican place on the Riverwalk. 
Well, I do appreciate any comment or any uh, compliment that comes from you because um, that's hard to get sometimes. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, we, we both know that Chipley, if it had chicken tenders or chicken strips, we were good to go. But uh, that's, that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that's but, yeah, I, I made sure we had to get some, a good Mexican place when we were down in San Antonio. That's, that, that had to be a, a thing. So, yeah, and, and – Every every place we went to eat on that trip, he would just get what one of us got because he didn't want to he didn't want to ask questions. Cause I kept making fun of him for how many questions he was asking about a menu. <laughs> uh, that was a fun trip, though. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it was. So staying on the food topic for a second. So you know, this is a weird year, obviously. But I, I like Coach. We talk a lot about food on here, and usually when we have a guest from an opposing uh, school's town, we talk about the best options in that town. I know with COVID. Uh, this might be an, an off year to travel, but um, if you were to make one or two recommendations for what to grab for any fans who are ever in Madison, what would your top one or two recommendations be? Um, let's see. You know, obviously, um, El Vaquero is what the Mexican restaurant is there in town. Um, so if you're a Mexican person, El Vaquero for sure. And I'll tell you, I'll warn you now from the outside, I promise you it looks like it's the most ridiculous restaurant you ever you ever seen it's painted like poop brown um but you go inside it, it, it's nice it's you're, you're good there i promise but uh um yeah it's that that, well, that would probably be my number one um and then number two is actually a new place called the office and it's pizza and pasta um and they do brick oven pizza and things like that. And I'm actually more excited that they have a golf simulator, to be honest with you now. Um, so hopefully get uh, get a couple rounds in when I get some free time there and check that out. But then if you're if you're thinking quick and you need to go after the game of one stop, which is a uh, gas station on the west side of town, um, actually, to me, is better than subway. And, and you kind of fill out your slip and and do that type of deal so it's a good change up from a sub sandwich than subway or jimmy john's or whatever you you have there so i'm gonna jump in i don't know have either of you guys ever been to uh, mr smith's in vermilion you know about since we're talking about weird one-off sandwich places i'm gonna throw this out there just for anybody listening if you're ever in vermilion in the ace hardware store they have a little sandwich place called mr smith's and it's phenomenal. I mean, it's toasted subs and all these different things. Um, I get this sandwich that's like roast beef and pheasant, and it's got all this stuff on it. So I want to throw that pitch out there since we're talking about, you know, little hit one-off sandwich shops. If you get a million, make that stop. I've never been there. Fun fact, being from South Dakota, I've never been to Vermilion. That's really strange. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know why I would ever I've, – I've drove through, I guess I could say that, but I've never stopped – Never played them in high school or anything like that. Nope. Did you go to a small – where are you from originally? Mitchell. Mitchell. So we're double A and they're, they're a smaller class. So home of the world's only corn palace. I will uh, I will say I did listen to Bobby's podcast and he did <laughs> he did support the corn palace. And I appreciate that, Bob. I appreciate you holding down the home fort, even though it's Dakota Wesleyan's home court. I will say this, um, arguably the best high school venue in South Dakota. And that's all he had to say. That's all Bobby had to say, and he wouldn't have alienated, you know, pretty much all of our listeners. Right. <laughs> so hopefully he learned something about politics with this whole thing. I'm, I'm guessing the answer is a resounding no, but 
you know, you were older than Bobby, but did you hear about this up and comer like in middle school when you were in high school? <laughs> Take South Dakota high school basketball by storm. No, I, I'll be honest. I did not. Um, <laughs> I did not hear about any Bobby Beach Patterson um, up and coming. And to be honest, I, I, I don't know. In I, basketball I think, or golf. Probably never heard of him. <laughs> I don't know about golf because I, I, I wasn't a golfer back then. Um, but. No, I didn't hear any any bobs about uh, raising the storm in South Dakota. We we're uh, honestly, my high school team was really good. We uh, had a bunch of good players that uh, probably got a little more attention than than Bob did, unfortunately, for Bobby. There's nothing <laughs> unfortunate about it. <laughs> I, I do got to call you out on one thing. Yeah, that Let's hear it. Uh, your hairstyle. And that, nothing to do with when, you, no, 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 let me finish. When, when I was a grad assistant, I had the, the, the comb over the part. You never had it. You made fun of me the entire time I was there about it. And then the year I leave, you get it back. You get what I have. You stole my hairstyle. False. <laughs> nothing to do with you whatsoever. I mean, I'm looking at Zoom right now. They don't even look similar. So well, you I put gel in it. That's the difference. I don't. I don't use gel, but that's okay. Um, you know, that's a that's a misinformed uh, that's a misinformed comment by you. Um, and I mean, if if it helps you sleep at night to think that I I copied your hairstyle, then then I, that's okay with me, Trevor. The next thing I know, you're going to be doing CrossFit. I will not be doing CrossFit. <laughs> Who's got the best hair in terms of coaches that you've coached against? That's a question for both of you. That's a good question, Matt. I'm gonna have to think about this for a second. I'm gonna have to go with Gary Garner. Coach Garner's got a good head of hair. At, at his age, he's got a really good head of, set of hair. You know, and I'm just I'm gonna give a shout out to all the bald coaches out there. You know, the guys that own it, just let it let it ride. Bald, all those guys. There's a few in our league, even a couple former podcast guests. So I'll just give a shout out to all those guys. All right, well, uh, let's get into our starting five. Trevor, I think I pushed forward to you the starting five category before the podcast. So hopefully you've had some time to prepare for this a little bit. But one thing we do every episode is go through a starting five list. And this week, since uh, it's Christmas week and we're just a few days away from having uh, those gifts show up under the tree, we decided it was probably a good idea to talk about the starting five for Christmas gifts that you've ever received. You know, I had to really think about this, Matt. Um, a lot of it going to go back to my childhood, obviously. Um, there's a couple obvious ones, a couple I had to, I had to think back a little more on, but uh, I'll, I'll start off and, you know, we can alternate if you want, Flem. Um, Works for me. but I'm going to, I'm going to start with, with my point guard in this starting five. And that was, and it's, it's killing me that I don't remember the exact year is either 1990 or 1991. My brother and I got a Nintendo original Nintendo entertainment system and uh, first video game system we had uh, still actually have it to be honest with you same one however many years later that is but uh, you know that was a big deal in the early 90s when you got a Nintendo and played Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt for the first time well at uh, at my one which is uh, going to be very similar just a little later on in the generation of video games um, was the N64. 
Um, and it came with Super Smash Bros, which is the best game ever made entirely in any sports or any video game, excuse me. Um, and, and, and on Bobby's podcast, you had the top five there, and neither one of you had Super Smash Bros, and I was hurt. Well, I mean, it's not in the top five, so that's fine. I will respect your punch out because that's a great game, but it is. Super Smash has got to be up there. What would you say if I told you I've never even played Super Smash Brothers. I'm about to end the Zoom call right now. I bet you won't. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, – very similar to start here. Let's go uh, – I always go point guard to post player and then round out my wings. So that's what I'm going to do here too. My post player in eighth grade, I got a new set of golf clubs for Christmas. And, you know, I've never actually really been good at golf, but I do like playing golf. And that was, that was the first set of golf clubs that weren't hand-me-downs that were actually brand new. And uh, so that, that's my post player in this starting five. Well, I'm going to go with my two guard because we're going to go all the way down the line. Cause my, my five is, is what holds down the fort for me. So um, my second uh, at my two guard is a pair of air force ones. My first ever air force ones, all white. I felt like I was the coolest kid on the block. Before or after the Nelly song? I think after, to be honest with you. I like it. Um, so I'm just going to go uh, – I'm going to move into my wing players here. And I do have one recent present here. And last year for Christmas, my wife got me a guitar. And, you know, I grew up in a very, very musical family. And, you know, played instruments when I was a kid and then didn't for a long time. And I'd always threatened to learn how to play guitar. To be honest, it was kind of an empty threat. And so I don't know if it was uh, my wife calling me out to follow through on it or what it was. But uh, I'm embarrassed to say I'm still not much of a guitar player. I've intermittently <laughs> practiced over the past year, but not consistently. Um, but it was a good gift. And, you know, every now and again, I pick it up and try to teach myself some, some, uh, some tunes. Can, can you play Wonderwall yet? I cannot. I can, the, the, the thing I'm best at is um, Come As You Are, Nirvana. So that, that, that's my one-hit wonder at this point. Hi, well, at my three um, is an automatic car starter. I got that uh, when I was in high school um, in my, my second car that I ever had. And unfortunately, I don't have it anymore, and I'm missing it quite a bit right now. So. On a side note to that, I have a hot take on automatic car starters. I actually, I actually enjoy it more in the summer than I do in the winter. It's a great feeling on a 95-degree humid day to walk into a car with the AC just cranked up and nice and cool inside. You know, that's, that's not a bad thought, to be honest with you. That's right. Um, I'll be honest, this is where I kind of grind to a halt, and I had to really think here. But uh, onward we go anyway. All right. So uh, my next wing player, this is an interesting one, but I, like I said, I come from a musical family. I've been a big fan of music my entire life. And so the first time I got a actual like bookshelf stereo system with the separate speakers and a three disc CD changer for my bedroom, I thought that was awesome. Again, I can't remember the year, had to be in the 95, 96, 97 range. Um, but that was a big deal 
you know, back when CDs were a big thing still. So I'm going to, I got to jump in here. Obvious follow-up question. Do you recall what the first three CDs that you had are kind of on your constant rotation? I honestly don't, Matt. Um, at that point in time, I might've only had one or two CDs. I know I had Garth Brooks, the hits when that came out, I had the space jam soundtrack. So if I were a betting man, I bet both of those were in there. Did you have jock jams? I did have jo the original Flem dog. I'm uh, sure it was the original. So there's a, I mean, there's a decent chance that those are actually the first three CDs that went in there. I will give you, you do have good music taste. I do remember bumping in the office a few times. So my next one is, you know, just your typical bicycle. I got a bike for a kid and, um, you know, that's just, uh, I feel like every kid has had that Christmas present one time in their life and it's, it's, it's changed them. That's an important gift. That's a big life, uh, life milestone, except living in the Midwest, it's a little tough because, you know, it's hit or miss on whether you can take the thing outside or not. Yeah. You got, sometimes you got to wait till the spring. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that actually leads me into my, my final starter here. My last wing player. Um, I'm actually cheating the game here. I'm cheating the whole starting five segment because my final wing player is actually a birthday present. Um, but it falls under the, the broader umbrella of presents. And it was a basketball hoop. First one I got, I think I was five years old and I'm talking the first legit, like we poured concrete, you know, to secure it into the ground. I got it when I turned five years old. And obviously that had a, a pretty big impact on my life. So I felt like it needed to be talked about. It's not actually a Christmas gift, but much like a bicycle growing up in Nebraska, there wasn't a whole lot of use for that basketball hoop in the winter. We weren't going to be able to put that up. So with a May birthday, it made a lot more sense, but I'm going to include it today. Well, in mine, my five holding it down is very similar, but it is the Fisher price hoop. So I can set it inside and play all year long see so when I was a tyke um, that was and probably my number one favorite gift as a kid and as you said it's kind of been a big big impact on me as far as where I am today so yeah I gotta you know when my kids are really little so we got like the knockoff Fisher Price one and the catching mechanism that keeps the thing you know five feet high rather than three feet would never hold so as soon as any contact with the ball the thing just slid down so just a tip for any uh, new parents, future parents, get the, get the real stuff, get Fisher Price, because that other stuff, it's not going to work for you. Okay, so that's the starting five, and now we have to go to Coach's Life Rule. And, uh, Coach, I know you've been taking requests on some of these, and, and so uh, this was one that I wanted to throw out there. So this is actually my Life Rule request question. And so what I'm wondering is how long after a TV show airs or a movie premieres, can you casually start talking about it in conversation without having to throw in like spoiler disclaimers or anything like that? Three weeks, three weeks. At that point, if you really wanted to see something, you'd find the time to, to do it, whether it's a movie or a TV show. And, you know, after that, that it, if you're going to spoil something, that's my own fault then. Trevor, what do you think of that? <laughs> you know, uh, I do kind of agree with it. I will say though, why why would you just spoil it though? You know, when what if what if someone just didn't get time in three weeks? I mean, the average TV show is what twenty eight minutes, twenty two minutes. 
Uh, you're telling me you don't have a spare 22 that, and, and something you really wanted to see that you'd be upset if somebody spoiled it for. You can't find that time. <laughs> yeah, I'm missing it right now on this podcast. Well, you know, you could have said no, Flemmer. Nope, nobody was begging you. I asked you. Yeah, I know. I'm just messing with you. It seems like a fair period of time. I think with all the streaming stuff now, that's that if you can't catch it in three weeks. I yeah, are you talk are you talking more just what you can watch online? Are you talking like if it's a movie premiere and you gotta go to the movie? Yeah, see, and I, I don't really go to movie theaters, so I'm the wrong person to ask on that, but I'll talk about TV shows, you know, because I, I am guilty of, you know, something comes out like, Ooh, I really want to watch that. And then it's like two months later and I can't get pissed at Flammer for, for telling me what happened after, you know, after a certain amount of time, if I claim I wanted to watch it, then watch it. Well, the reason I thought of it, my wife watches the Mandalorian. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's like a star Wars thing. It's on Disney plus. And so I watch it just because she's watching it. it's on in the background, but they had kind of a, holy crap moment like a, a crazy uh, finale this last week and so the actors in it kind of tweeted what happened within probably two days um so a lot of people were freaking out so that's why i wanted your ruling on that but i i think the three weeks is more than fair to be honest with you especially if it's something that's streaming um it's something you can catch on demand anytime if you haven't seen it by then that's kind of your own fault it's part of the zeitgeist and you want to put it that way all right. Well, that's Coach's Life Rule. If you have any ideas for Life Rule, starting five categories, or just any uh, general questions or comments, make sure you get those sent into us. You can find us on Twitter at BCBucketsCast or shoot us an email at BCBucketsPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, shoot Coach a text or an email, however you can get those to them, that'll work. So uh, last thing we got to cover here is uh, shout outs. And I'm going to go first. I'm going to jump in. This kind of alludes to what we've already talked about, but uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my wife, Mallory. She's taken on a lot of the Christmas duties during this holiday season. December is a busy month for me, typically. So a lot of the shopping and wrapping and figuring out what people want and doing a lot of that research has kind of fallen on her. And uh, I have no doubts that we're ready to go for this upcoming week. So shout out to Mallory Golf for taking care of all that. Yep. And I'm going to give a, just a quick shout out to all the teams and coaches in our conference, the GPAC, we've, you know, it's been an unprecedented year and, and we've been fortunate. We've had minimal disruptions to things. And, and when that has happened, it appears that everybody's working together to make it work, get games rescheduled, get games postponed, um, made up. And, and so that's, that's not easy at this point, you know, most of us have played eight to 10 games, which is, you know, tens half the conference season here before Christmas. And so, Hopefully we can keep that up the entire uh, remainder of the season after we get back from break. And uh, my shout outs going to go to uh, the 2017-18 Briar Cliff team that I was a part of and coaching. So the Bellings, the Bretts, is the the Janicek's. Um, for those that I missed and didn't name, um, you know the Lopmers, all that stuff. So the whole 27-18 varsity and JV. I don't forget about you. I know Will's still on the team. Will Johnson, Caleb Rasmussen, things like that. So. Um, I still think about you guys and hope you're all doing well in, in, in the life. Trevor, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, again, Monday, December 21st, 7 p.m., Briarcliff will play at Dakota State. Just real quick, Trevor, what are Dakota State's two or three keys to the game to be Briarcliff? Well, one, we're going to take away the threes, I hope. That's, the, that's plan number one and probably plan number two. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're – we're going to try to play at our pace. As Coach Figueres said, uh, um, 
we, we play the triangle offense and a little slower pace, a little less possessions. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it happens. Um, like I said, it's two opposing or two opposites type of schemes and uh, it'll be fun to see how it plays out and, and see some of the guys and, and Sfigera, even though uh, sometimes it's not the greatest time to see him sometimes. So, yeah, thanks fun dog for coming on. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see, I'll see you tomorrow. And hopefully uh, I'm not going to be a, a stranger to this podcast anymore. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, what the ratings look what, like. What the ratings are after if, this one. Okay. If, That's if, fair. If you you got to get up into Bobby's realm before we bring you back. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Just want to wish all of our listeners a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody stays healthy and safe here over the course of the next week. To anyone who's traveling, please travel safe. Uh, we're going to take next week off. So we will be back with more BC Buckets in a couple weeks. We'll recap the Dakota State game um, and then talk about, you know, what uh, the season's going to look like heading into the new year. So on behalf of Coach Figuera and Coach Flemmer, this is Matt. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>